Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Research at the Said Business School. Today's podcast is going to be about media trends, but the implications, the real implications for marketers. And I'm happy to be joined by one of our regular co-hosts, Jane Osler, but we're turning the tables and I'm going to be interviewing Jane along with Margot Swadley. Jane and Margot are two of Kantar's most knowledgeable media experts and, and real industry experts on media. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity for us to, to talk about what's next. Margot, Jane, welcome. And perhaps if you, if you want to start off just a little bit of personal background so our audience uh, has some context. Margot. Okay. I guess I just love media as a person, as a consumer. That's probably what attracts me to it. I am a media junkie. I like radio and television and online and all those things. And possibly as a result of that, then found myself working in it. So I worked for the BBC for six and a half years. And then I ran the Barb contract for Kantar, the TV ratings contract. Um, and now I do product development around it. But it really comes from the fact that I just, I love it. And Jane. Well, similarly, yes, as um, many people who know me will attest, I'm sort of constantly to be found trying out new apps and listening to all sorts of things and watching things. My role currently involves assessing media and marketing effectiveness with advertisers, publishers and agencies. But um, a bit like Margot, you know, I have also a background in TV, um, working on the marketing for the TV switchover and radio as well and in media and in the creative agencies. So I like to think that I've got quite a broad view of the industry. I think probably what we'll do is cover quite a few different media trends and probably new media channels. So perhaps we can start out with streaming and what your thoughts are on that as we uh, enter into a very mature but still fast growing streaming yeah. market. 
Yeah, it feels like we are we're definitely in streaming at least 2.0, if yeah. not 3.0 in a, in a new world with it. And I think that means it's it'll be a total change in the field that's there. I think you know, we've had Netflix dominance for years and that probably will start to wane as other people come in and we'll see more providers and and the research we've done and what we've seen is that there will be a saturation point. Audiences are not going to pay for a bazillion streaming. Mm-hmm. They're going to want a couple of them. So that means they've got to work out. I think what you will see is the shift in the language will be from how many subscribers you have to how long do they spend with you. They'll have to make it sticky. What's going to make you stick with them? Because that's what will keep the subscription going. You can't have just one program. Otherwise, you'll switch Mm -hmm. off. You've got to, you know, stickiness will become a, a thing that we talk about. The other thing from a sort of consumer usage point of view is actually it is one of the areas which is at the most at the forefront of using consumer data. So it's your viewing data that drives the algorithm, that drives the recommendations for the content that you're supposed to see. But, you know, there is, as Margot says, there's only so much, you know, an individual can cope with a number of different streaming platforms. And that might lead to some form of consolidation in the industry. It's also more complex than just having an individual subscription to a platform, because obviously the content is also supplied to other platforms too. And I guess the other interesting side of this, this is all going on in a sort of non-advertising market. Mm. But we do think, I guess, that at some point we might start to see more hybrid models emerging, you know, a bit like on Spotify, where you can have a free ad supported version mm-hmm. and there's a paid for premium non-ad supported might start to see that with streaming as well. Which I think then takes you into a whole other world. So whilst I think those organisations have been good with using their own data, this is a different type of data that you need. You need a full view, not just a view of what's going on within your product, but actually the full view of what a a consumer like you or me might be watching across them. They need to understand, you know, what that will mean for an advertiser. It's a it's a different argument. It's a different discussion than, than about subscribing. It's about, you know, what does an advertiser need? That needs to be comparable across different ones. So it's a whole mm-hmm. other realm of measurement I think you get into when you, now when you're here. Yeah, and to date, I think, you know, the streaming platforms have been mostly reporting their own data mm-hmm. to their own methodology. And there's a kind of unification that needs to to start happening in the industry yeah. probably fairly quickly mm-hmm. yeah i think so and i have to say as well just and this is kind of just me as a regular punter as well as a as a media expert is i think they have to get the use of data has to shift to tighten some of those algorithms and take into account all of what you might want because yeah. we are going to become more discerning and i want to know that if i'm going to be using this service over that service that it does do a good job of serendipity and trying to find me something that i might find interesting um, at the right time landing at me when i feel i'm in the mood for it and that is just another step up and it's great because i think it will push us as a data industry to new levels new ways of understanding well there's sort of two aspects actually of unification here that i think is needed one is from a measurement standpoint as, as you're getting at and, and maybe it's time spent by streaming platform or, or service actually the other bit to to your point margo is about this sort of discovery. So they're very yeah. good at algorithms that help you discover new content within their platform. Based on what they know of your usage know. in your platform. But then what about across, right? And, and I think back to the consumer, that's the real challenge that we're seeing as there's so many more platforms, there's so much more stuff out there. But then how does the consumer actually find all of this and, and know where it is? And that I think is an industry problem in, in sort of the streaming industry problem, let's call it, which is a tech industry problem, I suppose, more so than a measurement and media insights problem. 
guess it's a bit like you know you're in your own filter bubble when you look on your social media platforms mm. i'm probably in my own little filter bubble mm. when i'm on netflix apart from if my teenage sons are too lazy and log in <laughs> using my name instead and then i get all sorts of strange yeah. recommendations <laughs> so we the other thing we have to remember is that none of this is perfect mm. this data and it does rely mm. on consumers like saying who they are when they log in and sometimes frankly you just can't necessarily be bothered so no, no i have yeah. a nine-year-old there's no way he can be bothered i mean all <laughs> kinds of things come up on my streaming list that aren't me yeah so i think you know it will be interesting to see what happens this year but certainly this inflated and increased competition will also have to lead to increased communication about yeah. an education about the content that's on those platforms and you're right it is it is a fairly sort of confusing world because like you know i already have quite a few people telling me what to do what to watch what to see it's, it's a challenge for communicating content i think as much as anything else and i think it's an opening up for those streaming providers in a way that it's been fine up to now to be kind of closed in your own world yeah. Yeah. this is actually forcing you to say actually we need to have a wider view we're going to have to take into account other things we're going to have to get to an industry standard so mm -hmm. that we can have a if they're fighting for advertising dollars yeah it's a different world so sing single view of the streaming customer, basically, is what we're talking yeah. about. So, so let me use that to segue into another topic based on you know, single view of the customer in other contexts. We're, we're now seeing cookies going away and more anonymity in people's browsing and app usage behavior. And, and this is sort of a, a, a real looming issue for a lot of advertisers and, and you know, media more broadly. So what's your, what's your take on that, uh, Jane? Well, it's an interesting one because actually it is quite technical and it is quite fundamental kind of behind the scenes technology mm. that's changing. And it's not necessarily that sexy as a discussion point, <laughs> but it does fundamentally <laughs> affect how advertising is tracked and measured. And obviously with more advertisers spending more of their dollars online um, in many, many markets now, it's well over 50% of advertising spend is online. They will want to know how their money is being spent and how effective their, their dollars are. So we have a situation where, you know, Google, um, other browser providers are withdrawing cookies. It's not all going to happen at once. Um, it's not going to happen on one night. It'll take years mm -hmm. for them to crumble away or, or disappear. But third party cookies have been used for over 20 years, yeah. in fact, to measure the advertising impact, who's been exposed to an ad, how many times. It's really basic mm. fundamental media measurement stuff. And then it allows advertisers to assess the impact of that, that campaign. So I think we're going to move towards a much more mixed economy whereby there will be clever technical integrations, direct integrations where anonymized data can be passed back and forth. And that's one way of, of looking at the world. But we'll also, I think, with the increased approach of privacy, have to start looking at um, contextual testing a lot more. And that's something that you know a lot of clients seem to be quite interested in. But I think that what's going on behind the scenes is a change in how advertising is measured. And I'm not quite sure that many clients have quite got their heads mm. around it yet. I know, because as you say, it's not the no. kind of front end exciting thing, but yeah. it's absolutely critical, again, to that point of there's so much money spent. You can't go back to a time in which you're not justifying your spend. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there has to be a way that, that you can justify it. You can't, you can't go backwards. And, you know, I'm afraid it's one of those things in a mature industry, which this is. Mm. You have to sometimes get into the really tricky issues. 
I think it's good for us as an industry from a measurement perspective in that all of this pushes us and makes us innovate and do something different. And that's always good. I think this is also one of the reasons why the industry is never boring, you know, yeah. why, which keeps my <laughs> interest levels up. There's always something new that happens that forces you to change your way of thinking or work out what's what's really changing here and what's staying the same. So cookies are happening behind the scenes, but they enable a lot of currently they enable advertisers to understand what's going on. And that's it's that fundamental requirement to understand return on investment. That's part of what we do, but also how you measure new channels, mm-hmm. um, new spaces that brands can start to play in is something that is always keeping our thinking agile and means we have to in, invent and innovate constantly which actually is very exciting it is we do worry that this is like so important to what we do but it doesn't sound it's not he- it's not exciting it doesn't grab headlines do you think they're engaging well up to a point um obviously the the you know the social media platforms are you know in, involved in this very heavily so from their point of view yes um, I would say that generally advertiser brands have a whole load of things to worry about and this is probably not top of their list. So, you know, the things they're worrying about might be what's the right balance between performance and brand marketing? How do I measure? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cohesively, my short and long-term investments. We know that those are all the kind of you know the top issues of things that that keep them awake, and ultimately they're all ROI. But you know, underneath the scenes, you know, this is affecting the way we do it. So it's our job, I guess, to come up with solutions and to to advise clients. But no, it's probably not in their top three, top five. Is there a case to be made that this should actually be higher up on their priority list as part of a broader conversation around you know measurement? into the future yeah and I guess it's our job to do that and you know to do our research to find out what the knowledge gaps are and to come up with solutions and then to share them and discuss them with with clients that's that's part of our role you know frequency I think it's it's a classic advertising or metric that we use but it's it's very underplayed it always has been in any media channel because actually if you're advertising twice as frequently as you need to on a particular channel you're wasting half Mm -hmm. your spend Mm -hmm. so understanding frequency i think is core to understanding how campaigns work but to do that we need to be able to measure measure that effectively yeah (laughs) i mean it's also it's just so important for consumer engagement because there is nothing we hear it over and over again there is just nothing that drives people more crazy than than over usage that if they cut you know that sort of it is so critical particularly online actually because i think in probably in more uh, i hesitate to say traditional media channels there's probably 
better rules or better kind of general understanding mm. and you know probably better measurement about you know what's an effective frequency to use on radio which is going to be more than you know perhaps other channels for example but there isn't that shared level of understanding yet mm. online and especially as marketing is somehow seen to be performance led online it's just like you just keep going just keep yeah, going till yeah. somebody takes an action till the, but people are ignoring perhaps they and we've spoken about this before but they're ignoring the brand impact of online advertising um, but I think the, the the ignoring of frequency is yeah, probably as a result of this as to how it's being measured. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's now move on to new channels, because I think one of the possibilities here, if, if, if things are getting you know difficult in more established channels, then one option for marketers is to start playing with new things and, and, and not in a shiny new toy way, but in a, in a legitimate way where they're exploring new possibilities and opportunities. So let, let's go there. And Margot, maybe we can start with you in, in sort of your view of where, where are some interesting new opportunities in terms of new media for, for marketers? Well, I'm, I'm going to go new stroke old. Okay. If that, I'm be, I'll be controversial. I'm going to go new stroke old, which is audio. Ah, okay. So, and yes. I'll be honest, I love it. I love it. I worked in the radio industry. It is, you know, I definitely love it. And and, and I worked with someone who I will allow to remain nameless, who, who once said radio is the cockroach of the media industry. It just doesn't die. <laughs> and actually, what I would say is there's such a resurgence we know that podcasts is one of the areas mm. that clients are most mm -hmm. interested in investing more in in 2020. We've done research which backs this up and that's that's global. And I think it's an era of really interesting experimentation with what advertising, I was going to say looks like, yeah, but it I sounds it like, like that, yeah. 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 There's the obvious route, which is how kind of people started experimenting online, which is you just bung your ad into that new environment. So you can put your radio ad into a podcast. But a podcast is fundamentally very different from a radio mm -hmm. program. So that doesn't tend to work. Um, and we see the rise of host read advertising and in fact, host created advertising as well, which actually can be hilarious and really creative and really amazing. Um, and then that gives rise to more challenges, such as how do you measure whether it's working or not? How do you know whether people mm. like it or not? And some podcasts have low reach. Some of them actually have astounding reach now. And we're starting to see the rise in some markets of podcast charts, a bit like, you know, the top TV programs in a market or mm. whatever. So pod proper podcast measurement as well. And I know this is a bit meta, you know, talking about podcasts on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, we'd hope that everyone would be interested in this. Um, but I think that in turn, that creativity and that experimentation could start to maybe force different kinds of thinking in radio as well. Yes, and I think you're absolutely right that it, it unlocks more creativity. So what are the new, other ways in which you can use, you know, it's a bit like the influencer element. How do you use podcasts to as a part of your creating content for whatever advertising you're trying to do? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's sort of like sponsorship and influencing, but a step beyond that in a slightly different yeah. way. And in a way that I think, because I think the other beauty of that is they are very, they come across to a consumer as very authentic. Yeah very real very in the moment um and those are great things that a brand wants to be associated with and the times when in terms of my media consumption when i get most excited it's when there's a new episode appears on your mm -hmm. phone and you know if it's a podcast you really love and you'll spend your time concentrating on it and you're immersed it's you know it's unlike i think many other media channels well actually and it, it takes it to a, it's a lean-in experience which is always yep. what you're hoping for mm -hmm. you're hoping for you know we used to talk about lean lean forward lean back this mm. is a lean forward mm. moment yeah. well that's where you want to be putting yeah. your brand message or advertising out there is in a lean mm. forward moment and i do worry that there's there's just a tendency to kind of 
slightly ignore anything that isn't super video and visual yeah. but it's it is a you know it is a very effective and mm -hmm. often quite cost efficient yeah. um way of communicating so okay we've got audio in all its various <laughs> uh, old and new forms let's go to influencers actually since marco you, you mentioned the word this is one that you know again it's not brand new but it still seems to be this this area of i don't know confusion or maybe even consternation among marketers in terms of is it working should we do this should we not do that so what are the answers here and where, where are we headed i think influencer marketing has reached quite a crucial stage in its evolution first of all there's really good opportunities in terms of brands have finding different channels to communicate their products and services word of mouth we know is really important as a channel However, there have been some really negative things happening with influencers like fake followers, you know, not very good examples of how they're actually communicating those brands and lack of transparency, not not actually declaring that it's a hashtag ad. And I think balanced with that, there are some really amazing examples, and particularly in China, of where influencer or key opinion leader advertising has meant enormous boost to sales, particularly in sort of the fashion, wellness, beauty type sectors. So I think there must be great opportunities, but I think our thesis is that the measurement of advertising and the effectiveness of it really needs to grow up and start being comparable with other channels. Plus, behind the scenes, they need to clear up on you know the transparency and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But really, it's a way that advertisers can really zoom in on people that their audiences and their customers and their potential customers really trust. So that there is definitely an opportunity there, but it's 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 all gone a bit kind of amateur hour i think we need to think it needs to grow up and actually picking up on china one of the things that we know makes a difference there is that they are very transparent about it mm -hmm. it is very clear everyone is clear on that the person who's communicating it the person who's receiving the message is clear on the fact that this is a paid for sponsorship it doesn't mean that you don't you know you don't do it or it's not the right it's not okay people accept that this is okay as long as we're clear about it and mm -hmm. we're transparent and i think the other thing is as long as it is very well suited and very well matched with the brand yep. And, and the closer you are, the more natural it becomes, then the more successful it is. I think part of the problem as well is that some brands have put influencer activity into a kind of separate silo with a separate team and they're not yeah. necessarily connecting it with anything else. And it might be an ongoing budget that's spent continuously throughout the year, but they're not really connecting it with the impact measurement, the effectiveness measurement. And perhaps some of these messages might be a bit separate from more traditional advertising campaigns but we know that campaigns that are not only customized to each channel but integrated better across the whole actually work a lot better for brands so it's really the measurement aspect that needs to evolve what our research uh in, in influence marketing oxford has really been showing is you know your point jane about fit is super important fit with the brand but also with the the media channel that the influencer is using which becomes doubly important if a brand wants to repurpose that content in other channels mm. um, and just not being commercial. You know, it's not, they shouldn't be sell, sell, sell. It's not advertising. It's a different type of communications. Well, we think there'll be two other things happening this year with influencers. One is, you see this already, a lot of them getting a lot more creative in how they show their messages, whether it's a video or a still or some kind of content creation that they're involved in and special techniques. So, influencers will start doing that more and that'll make them stand out against all the others. The other thing I think is also about linking it to sale as well. So we start to see the rise of influencer 
stores um, personalised, customizable selections of products that they can make, for example. Um, and so advertisers are kind of experimenting with, can I link this influencer activity to sale? It, it has been very solid in beauty and retail and a couple of natural places where it fits. And mm. what I think will be really interesting to see over the course of this year is how other industries and sectors that may not immediately see influencers as a as a channel begin to use it. And they get the benefit of the learnings that have been built up. It was somebody asked me a good question the other day, which is what do I think about the opportunities for financial services mm-hmm. brands to use influencers, which is, I think, quite an interesting example, yeah. because obviously it's very highly regulated in terms of the messaging that can be used. So I think that's probably an area where they probably have to play fairly carefully. But, you know, even long term purchase cycle items like sort of automotive category, for example, I, we've started to see examples there of influencers doing what they call reviews of cars, but actually it's a paid for promotion. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll start to see the line between what's clearly advertising and not. I'm sure we'll see more cases uh, brought to the the likes of the ASA Mm -hmm. about transparency. But I think it also comes down to that fundamental question brands maybe haven't been asking themselves as much as, okay, but why are we using them? And Mm -hmm. what what, what is the objective? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you think about moving into other categories, you know, so maybe, you know, in the notion of, say, fashion or beauty, it's about, you know, what's the influencer's job there really? In some sense, it's about trend setting and influence through making something hot and cool and, and whatever else. But in, uh, say, financial services, perhaps it's more about being a role model, mm-hmm. you know, setting a good example. But then also, let's not forget back to kind of this, you know, old things and new things theme, where did a lot of this, you know, let's call it word of mouth marketing, to use an old term, come from pharmaceuticals in, mm. gosh, however long ago, 50 plus years ago, with key opinion leaders and detailing and, you know, those sorts of practices in terms of influencing physicians when a new drug is coming out and so there's a b2b angle to this as well which i think is is has always been there but we yeah. we haven't called it influencer marketing because yeah. we call it yeah. something else <laughs> i'm gonna switch gears though now and and throw something completely different perhaps <laughs> into the mix which is esports okay i should declare i am not a, a, like this is not my thing as a person <laughs> as a fan like i'm a media lover but i would not say that i'm a natural go-to on the esports but what i can recognize is the absolute power and impact that it has and and I do think that we kind of tend to ignore it or it seems a little bit you know weird and on the side I mean it definitely in 2019 we began to see it coming through when you have big stadiums you know and you've got the like big place in uh, Flushing Meadows in New York being used for an enormous championships and, and selling out loads of tickets then you have to sit up and take notice but I can see too that esports is taking up a lot of screen time and viewing time and I think we sometimes ignore that and the role that it could play so it's to me an area where there is again huge potential do we understand enough about it do we understand enough about the consumers who are using it and what would be appropriate and what fits within that context and but it is huge i mean it is it is a massive massive thing for a a much bigger group of people i think than we Mm -hmm. believe or credit and for advertisers as well i mean we started to see big advertisers um using esports as a platform over the last year or two and i think that's at a fairly early stage in what it looks like is it like a traditional sponsorship where you're just looking Mm -hmm. for a logo somewhere or is it a slightly more immersive content that they're looking to sponsor and I think the other thing we're going to start seeing this year that we outlined in our in our report was looking at the opportunities for crossover with other media channels. So, for example, in Brazil, 
there's a TV channel that actually broadcasts on traditional television mm. esports during the afternoon and their audience has been rising very significantly. So it's actually finding new audiences for esports as well. Um, and also collaborations between, for example, existing football teams, you know, real life football mm. teams creating their own esports teams. So mm. I think we'll start to see some interesting kind of real life digital partnerships going on so brand extensions exactly of, of, of and so i have teams. to say my plea would be when we're early in this is think about measurement from the beginning <laughs> i'm not going to be dull about that because this is what i do but i think as advertising gets into it then the next we know because we've seen this a million times the next step is going to be well how do i know that it was worth the spend yeah. so we have to think from the beginning about how we're going to measure this and also then we come back with the age-old question so what were you trying to do what yes. was the objective of your campaign so this is going to go around again right yes. so you know think about the it's back to the old questions is like think about what you're trying to achieve don't just do it for the sake of it is it because you're trying to raise awareness with a different audience you're trying to create new associations you know really think about what the objectives are it's true it's funny why i don't know why we as an industry when we start into a new area whether it's influences whatever think at the beginning oh we'll just dabble and we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff i mean from the beginning i feel like what's wrong with from the very beginning even in something new even when you're not putting loads of money into it thinking through those same basic principles because mm -hmm. down the line you're gonna have to and we only say that because out of experience you know six months later <laughs> somebody will be saying oh how do we measure the brand yeah. impact and we'll yeah. and we want to know how it works alongside other channels so it is inevitable that yeah. these questions are going to come up well, so you might as well just and unfortunately because then what they'll say to us as an industry is oh you're too slow at measuring it i think that my plea would be this is a really interesting area it's absolutely big opportunity i believe there's big money in it but think from the beginning about how we're going to measure it and what you're using it for i guess the same can be said for in-game like in video game advertising yes. as well does that open up new opportunities and also then measurement sort of needs with dynamic advertising being inserted into popular games yeah, I think it's a really interesting area. And, and actually, it's interesting because it's also slightly a controversial area. How much advertising do you put in? Again, mm -hmm. it's there's a, there's a little bit of an authenticity thing that goes in there too with is it clear enough that it's an advertising and not for the game? Who is it aimed at? Because do, do the same rules apply? Because yeah. often it, there yeah. are certain regulations, and certainly in many markets, about what you can advertise to children and what are you doing with in-game. So there is mm -hmm. is a whole area. But yeah, it's a big it's a big area and you definitely have to be thinking about how are we going to measure what the consumption is and then the effectiveness of it. episodes and more information, visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you. Thank you.